Growing up in a good Cajun household means that we loved food. Still, love some good food. And I remember very distinctly, whenever I was a kid, we would fry shrimp every so often. As we were sitting around the table, my sister and I would fix our food. We would look at the spread of shrimp that we had in front of us. Good, golden, fresh fried shrimp. And as we're looking at it, we'd both kind of do this little analysis. Which one is the biggest? I'm going to save that one for last. Because we were like, man, if this is the biggest one, it's got to be the best tasting. It's got to be the one that's going to like just be the whole of all of the flavors in one shrimp. And as we would sit, we would eat, and we would visit, there would be this... Uh, this kind of wind that would blow through, called my mom, who would look at each plate and just love to go and pick off that one big shrimp that we were saving. Both my sister and I, I think at one point we stopped worrying about forks as eating utensils and as weapons as a way to keep my mom away. But that big shrimp, we wanted to save it for last. Right? We were going to savor the flavor of that last big shrimp as a way to kind of cap off the meal. Now, sometimes it gets stolen, but for the most part, that was our way of eating. We have a tendency just in our culture, in our world, that when we get to the end of something, we want to savor it. We want to get that nice little cap, the little cherry on top, right? That big shrimp. If you think about the national anthem at any sporting event, when it's being sung, the, the, the last phrasing takes about three minutes to get through, it seems like. Holding out note after note, the big crescendo at the end, and a lot of musical numbers, just that big crescendo, that big way of, and now we're done. Just puts a cap on the, on the whole experience. Puts the cherry on top. It's that big shrimp at the end of the meal. Well, today, we're coming to the end of Lent. Like next week is Palm Sunday. Next week, Lent is going to feel and sound and look a little bit different because it's Palm Sunday. So we're coming towards the end. Even our scripture today in John's gospel, we hit the last teaching of Jesus, his last real teaching where he lays out a few very key points saying that his hour has come. Showing how he's going to be glorified. Having Greeks come and visit and see him. These are all very, very big themes of today's gospel. But I think for, our, for us, as we come to the end in the, of Jesus' public ministry in the scripture, but also as we come ourselves to the end of Lent, I think there's a question that we should reflect on. What is it from this Lent that you'll savor? Like, what is it from this Lent that you want it to be held out for a long time afterwards? What in your heart is different today than on Ash Wednesday? How have you grown closer to God today through this Lent, through these practices that we've done, than what you were at Ash Wednesday? You see, all of Lent, all of Lent has a point. 
It all has a reason. And I know for, for me, a lot of times I get caught down and I get bogged down kind of in the details, in the small things of Lent. And we got way of the cross. I'm giving up, you know, for me personally, I gave up my snooze button. All throughout the course of Lent, we have these different things, these different little aspects. But what is the biggest reason for Lent? What is the biggest goal of Lent? What is the biggest grace of Lent that we await at the end of it? The waiting of Lent? That's, that's not it. Like just having to wait 40 days to do something good? That, that's, not, that's not the reason why we do this. The fasting. If you gave something up, awesome. But your fasting is not the only reason because that's just cruel and unusual for a kid to give up Nintendo or something over the course of 40 days just for this, just for for giggles, right? The almsgiving, that's, that's not it either. I mean, we appreciate it, and we need to continue to give to our, uh, to our churches, to our missions, and all these things, but the almsgiving, that's not the point of Lent. See, the point of Lent is that we know Jesus better at the end than what we did at the beginning. The point of Lent is diving deeper into a relationship with our Lord. Not something like giving something up or giving some money away or just sitting and waiting like a really long, uncomfortable waiting room. The point of Lent for all of us is to be drawn closer in relationship with God. That we may approach our Lord more unified and closer to Jesus. Today, in our gospel, we hear, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be. Whoever serves me must follow me. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have a word for that. It's called being his disciple. It's called, it, it, it looks a lot like being a friend of our Lord, of knowing him, of following him. And yes, of treating others as he treats by serving. See, when we come into Lent, a lot of times, a lot of times when we look at our relationship with God, I know I have this, I've had in the past and still do, this kind of bargaining mentality with God. Look, God, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. See, that relationship, though, that's what we call a contract. Now, if you've, been on the, if you've watched the Why We Worship uh, series that the diocese has put out over the course of Lent, this will sound a little bit familiar. But that's a contract. That's a relationship where when I go into it, I look at the other person and I say, what can I get from you? How much can I get from you? And we'll kind of barter. And we'll go back and forth. Well, if I do this, you're going to do this. If you do that, then I'm going to do this. That's not the relationship that God's inviting us into. Where he's the glorified ATM machine that's there just to kind of answer our prayers and dispense as much as we give. Instead, God's calling each one of us into a covenant. Now, that sounds, well, it's kind of the same thing, right? No. A covenant all throughout the Old Testament, is a family bond. It's, where, it's not where one person is trying to get something from another, but rather that 
the two become a covenant. In a covenant, they become family where they try to lift each other up. So the question doesn't, isn't, what can I get from you? The question is, what can I do for you? See, when the Lord, when we come to this Lenten season, when we're approaching Holy Week, the whole of Holy Week, that whole time, is all about Jesus revealing the covenant that he is promising to all of us. He reveals it through his passion, his death, and his resurrection, but he reveals it to each one of us individually as we approach Holy Week. As we go through Palm Sunday, walking into Jerusalem with him, with palms raised high. As we go to Holy Thursday, and he offers us his body and blood, soul and divinity, in the bread and the wine. As we walk with him up the hill of Calvary, where he pays the ultimate price for you and for me. And then finally, when we experience the glory, the light of Sunday, of Easter, in the resurrection. Each of us, God is, not, is reaching out and trying to speak something to us. God is reaching out and trying to meet us where we are right now and wants us to go on this journey with him. Each one of us, God has a unique gift that he's waiting to give us at Easter. A, a particular place in our hearts that may be dark and look a little bit like Gethsemane with the agony in the garden. Or when it may be struggling and look a little bit like the first, second, and third fall of Good Friday. It may be full of doubt and look a little bit like Thomas, who doesn't believe that God actually has, has risen. Each one of us, God wants to speak life. He wants to speak light into those places. God wants to hold that central, that central place in our life. All we have to do is let him in. All we have to do is, is lay down our life for him as we approach Holy Week. All we have to do is make room and put him there. That central point in our life. Now, if you noticed, our church looks a little bit different this week. The chair's not quite where it was because we've moved the tabernacle back to the center of the church. The central place in our church and I've been, I've been blessed and loved to hear all the people say how, mo how moving it has been to see the tabernacle brought back to the center, to hear people say how much they've been waiting for this day for so long and so long and so long. But I'll be honest. My question is, if our hearts were a church, what would be in a central place? If our hearts had a sanctuary, a place set up waiting for God to sit, what would be there? If I look hard at my life, a lot of sports, high school, a lot of girls, college, big LSU, neon sign would have been there. But what is it that belongs, the central place of our life?
If our churches speak, if our church speaks that by the architecture and by the placement of the tabernacle, how much more so, how much more so should our hearts speak it as well? Today we come to this sacrament, we come to this sacrament of the altar, not just to be excited that Jesus' Jesus's tabernacle is back in the center of the church, but that the one that dwells there comes to meet each one of us. That the same Christ who's sitting in that tabernacle right now steps down on this altar and is given to each one of us. Do we have room in the center of our lives? Do we have space in the center of our lives? Are we ready and willing to say yes to that covenant, to that family bond with our Lord? When we know him and we honor him, as the scripture continues, the Father will honor us. Let us approach this Holy Week, let us approach this Easter with a heart wide open to receive him. A heart wide open and clear so that he may reign in that central space in our life.